Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, California, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And coming to us straight off the practice field in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, gentlemen? Uh, we are officially underway for the regular season. Uh, we have, uh, we have actually, we drew the bye week for uh, week one, so we're actually going to practice three days this week, go do go do a little scouting and then we'll be officially in game week starting a week from today. So, you know, I'm fired up and, uh, you know, with each waking moment, we get closer and closer to the start of the college football season as well. And you know what that means, guys, that means more of us and more of the illegal motion college football podcast. And, uh, you know, your day, your day is not good until you get our college college football podcast, right, Ashley? Oh, yeah, and a, a big shout-out to Al Gonzalez, a uh, big fan from uh, Key West, Florida. Um, got a nice email from him the other day. So, right. but, but we need to uh, introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man who has a thorough enjoyment of German beer gardens. <laughs> it's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. I mean, Chicago's got a sizable German community, sizable Polish community. It's like beer drinker's heaven over here. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, uh, today we are doing the final Power Five conference, and that is the Big Ten. Like always, we are uh, previewing the divisions uh, worst to first, and today we'll be starting in the West. Um, And at the bottom of the West is no surprise. It is the worst team in the Big Ten for the last half dozen or so years, and that is the Boilermakers of Purdue University. Uh, Josh, Josh, how does Daryl Hazel still have a job? Because uh, they're a really cheap program, and I didn't want to fire him after two years. Um, look, we, we did this for Kansas. We're not going to try and be glass half full, silver lining, talk ourselves into Purdue making a bowl game, because it's not going to happen. But what we are going to do is highlight the positives of the Boilermakers and explain why they might be able to improve on last year's dismal win total and maybe finally get a league win Things like that. Um, so they've got two nice defensive players, Jake Rapogel on the line and Jawan Bentley at linebacker. Uh, I really want to see if these individual stars who were statistical beasts a year ago could really be more of a leader and create a cohesive unit because they gave up really big plays all last year. Another positive, David Blau, uh, first-year starter last year, 10 touchdowns, eight interceptions, a sub-60 completion percentage, and just 5.37 yards per attempt. Those aren't hot, obviously, but there's a little bit of quarterback controversy last year. He's looking over his shoulder with Austin Appleby. We know that Appleby grad transferred down to Florida. So, you know, he's had now a full offseason under his belt. He's had two camps now under his belt. He's had a year as a starter under his belt. Let's see if this young kid can pick it up to maybe give Purdue uh, a chance. So uh, the, the sad part, though, is obviously with a team that's struggling, you hope you have an easy schedule. They don't. They have Cincinnati and a decent Nevada team in their non-conference. Their crossovers 
include Penn State, Maryland, and Indiana. All of them are better. If they had gotten Rutgers, you could say, hey, there's their league win, but um, it, it's going to be a tough sled for Purdue. I'm looking for some statistical improvement, and um, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to spoil our end of the show, but I'm pretty sure Darrell Hazel, or Darryl Hazel is uh, going to be the first coach fired. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how, how I can follow that up with our uh, Big Ten expert here, Josh, but um, – you know, you, you got to look at uh, if you're an opposing offensive coordinator coming in, you've got to look at that secondary and just be licking your chops. I mean, it's you know, I, I, I try to be half glass full type of guy, and, you, and, and our audience knows that. And I try to find the silver lining in any situation. I just don't think there is any. You know, they got new, they got two new coordinators. There's still a little bit of mystery with this team, and you know, they they could come out and compete and play hard. I don't think that's going to do anything with their win total because I, I just don't think they have any talent uh, that compares to anybody on their schedule. And, and uh, it just, you know, it's sad to see that, that an athletic department has let a program slip this fall because, or slip this far, I should say, because they just don't want to invest in a big name coach. And, and, you know, it produces a program that, you know, you're in a decent, I don't want to say great recruiting area, but you're in a decent recruiting area. I mean, you can, you can hold your own, and, and you can get some uh, pretty good kids out of Ohio and Indiana, and your home state of Indiana, and you're, you're, uh, you know, you get a few good kids there, and you're competing in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I don't know that they're ever going to be a program that's going to, uh, that's going to compete like they did when Drew Brees is there. But I mean, there's your potential. So if they get the right people in there, I don't know. But right now, this thing looks like a dumpster fire, and. I don't know that anybody worth their salt would be willing to take a risk, but they did hire a new AD. Uh, they came over from Georgia Tech. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, that's not a good sign for Daryl Hazel. Um, and uh, had they not hired this guy as late as they did, Daryl Hazel might have already been fired. Yeah, you know, um, one of the few bright spots, I think, uh, for this team will be their running backs. I'm actually kind of a fan of Markel Jones. Uh, we had uh, almost 900 yards and 10 touchdowns last year as a true freshman, um, and, or sorry, as a redshirt freshman. And he'll be joined in the backfield by Richie Warship, who is a load at 6'1", 250. Um, and, you know, I think they might be able to make a nice one-two punch, but obviously teams will be able to stack the box because they have, you know, Kyle Orton ain't walking through that door. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it's been a while for Purdue since they've had any sort of real talent back there behind center. And, I mean, Purdue has produced uh, quarterbacks who've thrown for more yards in the NFL than any other college. But, you know, it's – which is kind of an interesting stat because when they have had good quarterbacks, they've had some pretty great seasons. But, you know, you think about Drew Brees, you think about Dan Fouts, uh, you think about Bob Greasy. You know, they've had some really great players. But Ray Tarks didn't go there too? Pretty sure he did. Yeah, he did. So um, They call themselves the cradle of quarterbacks, but it's been a long it, Time's yeah, really the, the, the cradle's been robbed for the last uh, decade or so. so <laughs> the cradle's broken. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. So, yeah, but as a group, you know, we, we are not expecting much from Purdue. But one school that we are predicting a little bit more from is our number six in the West, and that is uh, the Illinois Fighting Illini with new coach Lovey Smith coming down from the ranks of the NFL um, after a, a not-so-glorious stint in Tampa Bay. But, uh, Josh, you are much higher on Illinois than the rest of us this year. So uh, let's. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say about uh, the Illini. 
Yeah, what the hell are we t- doing talking about this team so early? Wait until you see my standings where I have them. Um, before we even get to Lovey Smith and the coaching, just look at the returning players. They have Wes Lunt. This is a super highly touted quarterback when Oklahoma State recruited him a few years ago. Uh, his, he obviously transferred to Illinois, but what really, really impresses me about him is I love his ball control. He's got 34 touchdowns to 16 interceptions in his career, but seven of those picks were way back in 2012, his first year as a starter. That means since then, he's got a 28-9 to split, and he's doing it without a tremendous amount of help. I know Geronimo Allison was a great wide receiver, but he's in the pros now, but Outside of that, he, he really hasn't had, like, one of those superstar receivers to go to. Um, I like Kashawn Vaughn. He was a delight last year as a running back. I expect him to continue to grow. And with Allison gone, I think Malik Turner is going to be a capable receiver to be that number one. Um, so I really like some of the offensive players back. What they really need to do is find out a cohesive offensive line. That was their Achilles here heel a year ago. Lunt was sacked 18 times. Vaughn, despite showing flashes, couldn't even average 5.0 yard, 5.0 yards a carry. Uh, so I need to see that grow. But defense, this is where I love it, and this is where we bring Lovey Smith back. Their defense last year, 41st in the country. Who would have guessed that? They had the salty effort against Nebraska in a 14-13 upset. They had some great performances like that where their offense just couldn't get it going. But Lovey Smith is a defensive genius. He brought in a new defensive coordinator, Hardy Nickerson, and Nickerson's son, Dredd, transferred and is going to step up and be a star for this team. This defense really could emerge as one of the best in the leagues. And if it does, Illinois could sneak into Indianapolis. That's how high their ceiling is. Um, I like this team a lot. I have them going to a bowl game. I'm not sure why you guys are down on them, so I'll let you tear them apart. Coach? Well, I mean, you know, you you look at them, and and I guess it's just because a lot of the stuff that happened um, before Lovey Smith took over, and uh, a lot of it is I just don't trust them yet. You know, they've got talent. There's no question about that. West Lund's one of my – you know, one of the, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, if not the best, and you know they've got the players now. I just don't trust that these guys haven't been through so much that it's a hard switch to flip. And culture is a hard thing to change. I'm going through it right now, and right now at Illinois, they've just kind of been hapless for for a little while, for a short period of time. They had that run uh, to the to the to the Rose Bowl, and they just feel like they've Time ever since, and you know they they've got to a point where uh, I just felt like they were just so hapless that they were just basically a schedule filler in the Big Ten, and 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 now they 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 had some turmoil. They rallied a little bit last year. They showed me a little bit, which gives me a little bit more to say, hey, I'm I might be wrong, uh, but to be honest, I just don't trust them right now, and I, I think I just don't think they're there yet. I think that they're going to have a lot more talent. They're going to be a hell of a lot better coached. Lovey Smith comes in from the NFL, been successful in the NFL for many years. Uh, when you stay at a place for a long period of time, it usually means that you've had some success. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, I just think it's going to take a, a couple of recruiting cycles to really get them to 
be contenders, but I think they can do it. I think they hired the right guy. Um, it's just I think they're right now they're at least a year away from from really. They don't, they'll, they'll compete and they'll play tough, but I just think they're really a year away from getting over that hump and start winning some of these ball games. They're kind of like I kind of put them in the same category, the same boat as Colorado. They're like right there, but are they ready to make that jump? And I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I think the Colorado comparison is, is, is very appropriate. Um, Josh already talked about Keyshawn Vaughn, a guy we all really like from your neck of the woods. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, but um, Josh mentioned the defense. That's Love actually him. what I'm a little bit worried about. They're only returning uh, three starters. One of them is Dwayne Smoot, who is a who has potential, you know, all conference selection. Um, is, his but, brother, is his brother Fred Smoot? Uh, I don't believe so. Maybe great uncle. But um, they also have a great defensive tackle named Chunky Clements, who is just who might uh, make the all-name team. That's a bit of a tease for a later episode. However, the schedule this year, pretty tough. They've got, um, you know, they've got North Carolina as an out-of-conference, plus they get uh, Michigan and Michigan State as crossovers. So the schedule is not uh, lining up to be very easy for them. Uh, they have uh, nine of their... 12 opponents went to bowl games last year. So um, it's definitely going to be a tough first year back in more than two decades for uh, the former Bears uh, head coach. But, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how quickly Lovey can adapt back to the college game. Um, so moving along, it, we are now head to uh, uh, to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, Goldie now has... Uh, uh, Tracy Clays as the uh, non-interim but actual full-time head coach after he uh, after he took over mid-season last year. Uh, so, Josh, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, really like Mitch Leidner, but you and I are two people who really don't. Yeah, I guess that's a good place to go. Um, and I'm not sure if there's if we're as big a minority as. We think we are, Matt. I think he is one of the more divisive players in the league because he, he does a lot of good things. He's a big kid. He is really good with his feet and, in fact, has a nose for that end zone with six rushing touchdowns a year ago. His completion percentage went up eight points between 2014 and 2015. Those are all great things, and that's something to be excited about. But on the flip side, I'm looking at 14 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, for, and for his career, 28 to 20. That, that's not terribly impressive. His percentage went up, but his adjusted QBR went down last year. His yards per attempt went down last year. And what really upsets me, and I'm sure there's some Minnesota fans who feel this too, is his consistency just is mind-boggling. Against Ohio, he was 22 of 31 for 264. The very next week against Northwestern, 10 of 21 for 72 yards. I know Northwestern's defense is better than Ohio's, but that is a huge split. I, I just don't know how you can do that. Um, if you're a really good quarterback, if you're a championship-caliber quarterback, which some publications have Minnesota winning the West, and I just don't see it because of Mitch Leidner. At defense, everyone thinks Minnesota had a great defense last year. Well, they were only 59th. Their offense was 100th in scoring, 74th in passing, 101st in rushing. It was bad enough for Clays to shake up that side of the ball. So they have a new OC and quarterback coach. 
Uh, I, I'm just not seeing them making Indianapolis. Um, their bright spots are they have a really nice offensive line. I love tight end Brandon Ligon. Um, they, they have a nice running back tandem, too, that's led by Shannon Brooks with Rodney Smith being the complimentary piece. So th- there are pieces. They are going to be a bowl game. And I think most of the reason people have Minnesota winning the West, honestly, is they love the schedule. Their, their crossovers are Mar- include Maryland and Rutgers. So that gives them a chance to have a favorable schedule, much like Iowa did a year ago. But you said it, Matt. I, I don't trust Leidner enough to win this one division, and I don't like having a whole bunch of new coaches. Yeah. So here's, here's the deal with Minnesota. Uh, I, I think I have a hard time really saying they're going to be a, a legitimate contender for the West Division. I really, you know, for a lot of those reasons you listed, you know, simply put, the team played as Leidner played. And that's it all over the place. You know, they were hot. They were cold. You know, one week they look like, okay, maybe they're going somewhere. Maybe they're going to be world leaders. Next week they look completely hopeless, completely hapless, completely just just like they're on another planet. You know, and, and it's, it's stuff like that just tells me that as a team, they're just not mature. Like you, your mindset is like, you know, your emotional swings go, you know, you got to, you know, if you're going to be a contender, you've got to be able to deal with the, the emotional swings. Teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, teams in the league like that can deal with those emotional swings. You take a, you take a big loss or you take a, take a heartbreaking loss and, you know, you just get back to it and grind it out the next week. You know, same with a win. You get a huge upset win, you can't go out and lay an egg the next week. And, and I'm not sure Minnesota's ready to get past that. You know, we talk about all the players, and Josh did a tremendous job. This is his wheelhouse right now, throwing out all the players and the stats and, and things like that. And, and all of it just points to Minnesota's just not ready. They're, they'll go to a decent bowl game. They're talented enough to go to a decent bowl game. They got new coaches. They're well coached. I, I like kind of who, I like what they have coaches that wise. I just think that right now, as a, as a team, they're, I guess I could say, I guess I could say immature because I guess I don't have anything better really to, uh, to say in place of a mature, but it just, I don't know. It's just, I just well, don't think they're ready. You know, one of the things that Josh mentioned was that their defense, who a lot of people thought was good last year. Well, the best part about that defense was their pass defense. They were 11th in the country in pass defense, but they lost their top two corners to graduation. Yeah. And they're going to have to put in some young guys. And, you know, they're, um, and, you know, some of their bigger holes, often, which, which were O-line, D-line, they're trying to fill with JUCOs. And JUCOs can be a really tricky road to go down. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. You know, JUCOs can be, uh, you know, really great infusions of talent. I mean, Cam Newton was a JUCO. But they can also be um, giant busts, or, and you just don't know what you're getting. So, well, there's, um, there's a difference, Matt. There's a difference between Cam Newton JUCO. He just transferred there because he had to leave Florida versus a, a JUCO kid who came out of high school and had to go to JUCO. There's a difference in what you get maturity-wise, talent-wise, things like that. He went to JUCO, developed himself, and you know, made himself for offer. But a lot of these kids you get that go straight to JUCO, you don't know. You really have no clue what you're going to get. 
Yeah. And so, you know, that, that is one of the things that, you know, really worries me about this team is their reliance on JUCOs. So um, one team we know that would probably never take JUCOs is the prideful Northwestern Wildcats because their academics are way too hard. Um, but they had a surprising 10 and three year last year. Uh, but, and they do return uh, Justin Jackson, who has been a, a really great tailback for them, but they have, uh, they still have a couple question marks uh, coming into the year, Josh. Uh, especially that passing game. Well, that's really kind to say they have a few question marks. Um, I don't know if I've expressed my dislike of soccer on this podcast before, but I really do. So this is going to be a surprise for you, Matt. But I'm going to say that Northwestern, their analogy is Leicester City, where they came from nowhere to win 10 games. And everyone who follows the Premier League says that Leicester City is going to fall apart. And they won't do it two years in a row. I picked Northwestern to win four games a year ago, three or four games a year ago. They have an even harder schedule this year, and they're not a good team. They are a joke that they won 10 games a year ago. You mentioned the passing game. Clayton Thorson, 1,500 yards. That was it. Barely over 50% at 50.8. 5.16 yards per attempt. Seven touchdowns and nine interceptions. That ain't good. Their wide receiver group was so bad last year that an offensive back and a reserve running back are switching positions and expected to start. So that's not good. And I don't care how good Justin Jackson was. They're going to have zero passing game. So how did they win 10 games a year ago? Well, their defense was phenomenal. And it bailed them out in a two-point win against Nebraska, a two-point win against Penn State, a three-point win against Purdue, the 13-7 game against Wisconsin where UW had five turnovers. They beat Illinois by 10, but, like, they got exposed against Iowa and Michigan where they lost those games by a combined 78-10. to 10. They got exposed against Tennessee where they lost a bowl game 45-6. Not sure how many 10-win teams are outscored 123-16 to 16 in their losses. So that led me to look at that defense because the defense was great statistically. But what goes into having a great defense sometimes is who you play. This was their opposition scoring offensive numbers. Stanford was 19th. Nebraska was 47th. Duke 55th. Wisconsin 83rd. Purdue 95th. Illinois 98th. Minnesota 100th. Penn State 104th. Ball State 105th. And Eastern Illinois averaged 23.58 points per game a year ago. I couldn't find FCS numbers, but 23.58 would have been 99th in FBS last year. So guess what? Their defense, which isn't as good as the numbers indicate, now have to take on a harder schedule. Their crossovers are Michigan State and Ohio State, both on the road, are among their crossovers. I don't have this team sniffing 10 wins. I don't have them making a bowl. Well, uh, I'm not going to be as harsh as you, but I, I think they make a bowl. Uh, it was just kind of uh, they caught teams at the right time last year. I, I kind of agree with you. They're nothing special. Uh, offensively, they're going to be even worse. Uh, and I try to be positive, so I'm going to be positive. Their defense is nasty. And, and albeit they don't have a lot of talent over there, they don't have a lot of people that you say and look and say, that's an NFL guy, that's an NFL guy, that's an NFL guy. Like, like, if you go to Clemson and look at their defense, you're like, NFL, 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 NFL. Northwestern ain't doing that. They're not doing that in, in Chicago. 
last year with a chip on their shoulder, and I, I think that took them a long way. Uh, and a little bit of teams underestimating them and teams just kind of making mistakes for them and helping them out. Uh, they did a good job of capitalizing on that. So I will say that, you know, when you play the defense and you play hard, you play physical, and you play with a chip on your shoulder, sometimes you get a little bit of luck that bounces your way. And I'll take a little bit of luck right now. I, you know, given the situation I'm in right now, I'll take a little bit of luck. I'll take some guys playing playing above their heads and getting a little bit of luck. I'll take that. But this year it's going to be a little tougher because you ain't, you're playing Ohio State, you're playing Michigan State, you're going on the road to do it. They're going to get smacked in the mouth against those teams. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at the Tennessee game, the, the bowl game, and you look at that, and that's just kind of a preview of what's, what's to come. Man, I, I, it was one of those games where I'm like, oh, okay, all right, Northwestern, you know, they're 10 wins. You know, they're playing really good right now. You know, they, they've got good defense. So let's see what Tennessee does. Well, Tennessee did, and what they did was they slapped, 40, they slapped them in the face for 45 points. And uh, it just made me, made me feel like that Northwestern was the, uh, was the big fish in the little pond. Yeah, I you know for me the, the key for this defense is going to be um, can uh, can defensive end Afedi Odenigbo step up? He's been sort of just a third down pass rush specialist the last couple of years, but he's going to have to step into a full time role and he's going to get double teamed a lot more. And he's the most exp- explosive guy on that defensive line. And if they can't get pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think their their DBs are are the weakness of this defense. And if you have uh, bad DBs and you can't rush the passer, you're going to get thrown on all day. I don't care how good your linebackers are. So um, let's move a little bit north uh, from uh, Evanston up to Madison, uh, where we have uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, uh, the lovely alma mater of two-thirds of this podcast. And uh, Wisconsin replaces Joel Stave, who somehow – is the career leader for wins at the University of Wisconsin, and as when well as Alex Merrick. When you're there for 10 years, it happens. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but uh, good Lord, uh, the Badgers have what might be the most difficult schedule in the entire country this year. So, uh, Josh, uh, do the Badgers have a prayer to repeat 10 wins? Oh, boy, that's – that is a really – Good question, and I'm not sure anyone has the answer for it. I have them right now at seven wins, and that's kind of without them pulling off an upset. So uh, they can be in the ballpark because that defense is insane. They return the front seven. They have probably the best linebacker core in the Big Ten, possibly even the nation, to be honest with you. It's anchored by – Vince Beagle, but uh, Jack Stichy, really good. Chris Orr, TJ Edwards. I mean, like, you just go on and on with the names of the people from that front seven. And don't forget about TJ Watt this year. He's going to be starting opposite of Beagle, and he's going to be uh, – he's a really good pass rusher. Not quite his, at his brother's league, but he's up there. Yeah, and, I mean, the other thing that they're replacing is Dave Aranda went to LSU, the coordinator. But Justin Wilcox, he's no slouch. So – you have to really expect that defense, which was tops in the Big Ten a year ago, to really be one of the better ones. But um, the, the offense is in flux without having a clear quarterback. 
the running game was up and down because of Corey Clement's health issue. So that's going to be interesting to see if they can improve. I'm still under the assumption that Wisconsin being an offensive line factory will vastly improve the running game, but I'm not sure the passing game is there. And the reason I don't have them winning the division is you mentioned that schedule and I'll just run through it. Uh, LSU at Michigan state at Michigan, Ohio state at Iowa, Nebraska at Northwestern, which some people are higher than I am. I mean, that is, that is some tough sledding. And with questions at quarterback, how can you predict this team to win the division? You can't. Uh, Justin Wilcox is what people think he is, which is a really good, great defense coordinator. Uh, here, here's kind of what, what our gauge is going to be. Because okay? there's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of things that you have to look at. Here's what our gauge is going to be. Our gauge is going to be uh, week one. And week one, you got LSU. Okay? It's a great test. Now, if they had directional directional Iowa State University, then, you know, you wouldn't really be able to get much out of that. But, you know, since they got LSU at Lambeau Field, here, here's, what you could, here's what you could stand to evaluate from that game. Now, LSU could come out, smack you in the mouth, run up 50 points, and just blow you out of the building. Okay, let's say that happens. Well, then your your prediction of seven wins is a best case scenario because you know you're in a lot of trouble if that's what happens. All right, let's say LSU comes in, beats you, but it's a really close competitive game, and it's one of those seventeen point games that it was it was a three point ball game up until you know up until the tail end when you started taking chances. You get in there and compete, you know, seven, eight, maybe even nine wins becomes a possibility because, hey, we're not so bad off. We got some things. We got some guys competing, and they're only going to get better. Or you come out and win. You come out and win, yeah, ten, ten, ten uh, wins from last season. You know, it seems more doable, but – then you look at the rest of the schedule, and it's just like, man, you know, trying to predict it right now. It's like, man, where are they going to get these wins? But, you know, there's a lot of stuff to, to unravel by the time they get to some of those games, and, and there's just a lot of questions to be answered. And if they find their guy, then, uh, heck, yeah, let's roll. Let's do it. So, you, you know, you got to really look hard at the LSU game and just kind of see what the mindset is going to be for that season. That game is going to be a, a tempo setter for the Badgers. And I, I like when teams do that because because of what it does for your season. It gives you kind of a gauge of what your season, or a clear picture, I should say, what your season should be like. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. They will be one of those teams that you know, if they do, they just kind of they just kind of always find themselves in that good position, uh, and they just kind of always find themselves with a chance to win. And I don't know how they do it, but they always find their way there. And it's weird. It's kind of been like what Missouri was the last couple of seasons. Like, they look, you know, at, at times they look downright pitiful, and then all of a sudden you look at the end of the season during the conference championship game because they just hung around, just found their way in. That's kind of what, that's kind of what Wisconsin is. And so they may find their way in or they may find their way to a, 
Yeah, well, you know, Coach, one of the things you mentioned, they got to find their guy at quarterback, and that's the problem. It should be Bart Houston. He's a fifth-year senior, uh, former four-star Elite 11 guy out of De La Salle in Cal- Concord, California. Huge powerhouse school. Started there for a couple years. Came in, big arm, and he cannot take control of, uh, of this quarterback battle. He's going to be beat out by Alex Hornibrook, uh, who's a redshirt freshman. Uh, they had a scrimmage today, and Houston looked terrible. Um, and it, you know, if, I mean, it's probably the odds are that Houston will start against LSU, but don't be surprised if Hornerbrook comes in and is starting, uh, you know, week four, week five, uh, for them, because Houston just hasn't really shown that, uh, you know, the separation that he should have against Hornerbrook. Uh, one other guy to really keep an eye out for this year is their only, uh, new starter on the offensive lineman. That is, uh, left tackle Ryan Ramchick. He's a division three transfer from UW. Stevens point and he was the scout team offensive player of the year last year and this is a guy that uh, you know Joe Schobert who re- uh, recently graduated one of the national leaders in sacks last year said Ramchick was the best offensive tackle he faced the entire year um, you know and this guy is one heck of an athlete and don't be surprised if he is getting some you know all conference nods by the end of the season so um, but let's uh, Move from one team that is red and white to the other red and white team with a second-year coach. Uh, that is the Cornhuskers of Nebraska in their second year under Mike Riley. Uh, they had one heck of a bowl performance against UCLA where they just ran and ran and ran the ball down the depleted Bruins defense roads. But, um, you know, and they bring back uh, Tommy Armstrong uh, at quarterback who seems like he's been there for about a decade and a half. So, uh, Josh, uh, what do you uh, what do you want to see out of the Cornhuskers this year? Well, let's start with the good. And you brought up Tommy Armstrong, and I really like him. I, I was stunned how well he picked up a pass happy, highly coached quarterback system. Whereas we know him as as an athlete, we know him as the traditional Nebraska mobile quarterback, which is what he he had to do in the first part of his career. So that was the biggest silver lining from last year's very erratic team. They also returned their eight leading pass catchers from last year. That's insane. Like some teams don't even have eight guys catch a ball all year. Uh, Jordan Westerkamp, a really good receiver. Running back Terrell Newby included in that group. So that's really encouraging. Defensively, they also have some nice secondary pieces back. But you'll notice – I left out why I don't have this team making Indianapolis. They're certainly capable of it, but you don't want to have question marks in the trenches, and that's what Nebraska has. Their offensive line has three starters gone. Their front, they have big questions, a defensive group that has some holes on it, up front, so that is that's my cause for concern. So, but Josh, let me make a quick interjection there because yeah. they only have two returning offensive linemen, but both of those guys are switching positions. I know. Yeah, Nick Gates is going from right tackle to left tackle. Dylan Utter is moving from uh, left guard to center. So they will have five guys in new positions starting on the yeah. offensive line this year. Well, it's funny that you brought up the like naming the people who are leaving because that's actually what I was going to do for uh, their defensive line because their run defense was great last year. But 
Uh, they lose starters Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine from the interior, and then early departure of Greg, Greg McMullen and Kevin Williams. So they're, they're front on both offensive and defensive lines are a complete question mark. That is why I don't have Nebraska making it to Indianapolis. Adding to that is road trips to Madison, Columbus, Iowa City. That, that's tough for this Cornhusker team. Yeah, I mean, are, are... Oh, it looks like we've lost the coach there for a second. Well, um, I will I, I will actually step in here and say that uh, I am worried about this, uh, the secondary on this team uh, in terms of their defense. Josh, you're worried about the D-line. I'm worried about the secondary because... A year ago, yep. They were terrible a year ago, and... They graduated some guys, too. So, you know, last year they ranked 122nd nationally in passing yards allowed per game. Uh, I don't expect that to improve that much, quite frankly. Um, You know, they are, you know, that is a place that they are really going to have to spend some time. Defensive coordinator uh, Mark Banker is really going to have to focus on that that secondary and on the pass rush if they want to improve on those uh, kinds of numbers. So linebacking core is very solid. you know, but this is not a, a, a classic black shirt defense. Nope. And it really I'm hasn't back. been for several years. No. I'm back, guys. Uh, what I was going to say, did it, did it uh, just completely drop it? All of a sudden, I, I hear call ended. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> um, my, phone, it, my phone is performing right now like the Purdue Boilermakers. It just quit on me. Oh. Um, I know. But uh, what I was going to say is that has there been a Nebraska team that's really just taken this division by the reins, even when, even in years where it was pretty much theirs as, as long as they showed up on time to the ball game? Have they really ever done that? Even though they've had good win totals, have they really ever shown that they've had, you know, that they've had control of it? No, but you know what I do like about this team is I like Tommy Armstrong. I like what he's done. I like what he's doing, I, and and you know, I, I give my I gave Mike Rowley a hard time at the end of last year because I think he underachieved, and you know, rightfully so. But you know, you, you've got some weapons over here, and, and uh, you know, it's 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 one of those offenses that I wasn't sure if Tommy Armstrong could pick up on really quickly and and, and, third, and flourish in, but he has. You know, and it's one of those where they're doing run pass options, they're throwing all over, they're throwing all over the yard, they're. They're just getting the ball around to different people in, in space, and you know maybe, maybe there is a chance in Lincoln. Maybe they can, maybe they can do something uh, with this Husker team and, and really just get out there and just go ahead and win the division. You know, it's one of those years. I think you know Wisconsin has a tough schedule, and there's nobody really that can jump in there and just say, "Bam!" You know, so they can be the team that takes it. And they have, they have a really good chance of doing that. And and, and I think Tommy Armstrong uh, did a lot of growing up. And I think he can come in and be that leader uh, for this Husker team. And, and he can be that guy that just kind of gets him going in the right direction. So anytime you have a guy like Armstrong who, who probably didn't want to play in this offense but decided that, hey, you know, this is what's best for my team. And, you know, whether I, whether I actually want to do this or not, I don't know. But he just kind of took charge, took the reins, and, you know, those guys followed him. So, you know, that goes a long way, too. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, uh, let's move just east from Lincoln over to Iowa City, Iowa, where the reigning Big Ten West champion Iowa Hawkeyes reside. And we are predicting that they are the champs again uh, this year. Uh, So, you know, it's another year and another great Hawkeye defense. But I want to start with uh, the man behind center, C.J. Beathard, who had a great season last year. Uh, Josh, what has he got in store for an encore? Yeah, and let me just say, I I try and not be a homer. I love the Hawkeyes, but sometimes I'm their harshest critic because you don't want to be seen as soft on the team you root for. But uh, there's a lot to be high on this team, and you mentioned it, C.J. Beathard. Um, he played almost all of last year with a serious abdominal injury that they took care of after the Rose Bowl. And he put up some pretty impressive numbers but he was healthy the first few weeks of the season. He was really mobile. I think, even while playing through his injury, I think he's the best quarterback in the division. And uh, a little closer to CJ or uh, to JT Barrett, who I have as the best quarterback in the entire league, than people realize. He's a really smart signal caller. There's a reason why he beat out a two-time starter in – Jake Rudock. So I'm really high on Beathard. And you mentioned he gets to play behind a really good offensive line. And yes, center Austin Blythe is gone. But Kirk Ferentz is an offensive line guru. They're always good there. They're going to have another really, really impressive offensive line. And Kirk kind of got stale. And that was the critique of him. But after a Disappointing bull loss to LSU, followed by getting absolutely demolished by Tennessee. He really kind of started to look and see, wait, why is my program stuck in neutral? He made some changes, one of which was having announcing Beathard as the starter after the bull game against Tennessee. The other that I think he's going to see after the Stanford game is Iowa didn't have much speed that they used. Akram Wadley came in during the Northwestern game because of some injuries. It was the fastest Hawkeye I probably have seen since Tim Dwight. But then when the other running backs got healthy, he returned to third on the depth chart. I don't think Ferris is going to do that again. I think Ferris is going to say, you know what? Wadley has some turnover issues. He's got a little bit of a fumble bug, but when he holds on to that ball, he might be the fastest Hawkeye, like I said, in a decade. He might be one of the fastest kids in the entire league. So I expect Kirk to grow from that. And, Matt, you mentioned the defense was really good last year, and I know that we're running along on time, so I'm just going to say it. This team returns a ton of players, highlighted by Josie Jewell, the linebacker, and obviously the Thorpe winner, Desmond King. you got to love that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief. This is one of the most exciting teams that I felt uh, watched last year. They were just a team to just come out, pitch it in the mouth, have fun doing it. And C.J. Beathard, another national product from Battleground Academy, just uh, just took control. And, you know, you would have never known had you not followed the program as close as we did that he had an abdominal injury all year long. I mean, he, he got it through it, and he really just – He's a tough kid, a smart kid, a really great quarterback uh, for this team. And and there's a reason why they had the season they had. And that being said, one of the tough
toughest games I had to watch was that Rose Bowl, which I just, you know, you look at a team and, you know, it's football, so you really you really feel bad for teams when they get beat like that. But Iowa was one of those because they played, you, just, you knew they were better than that, and they just had no answer for Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, it, it, I, I feel like that, you know, what I said about Nebraska is a team that could, and, and, and here's why I think it happened to Iowa last year and what, what happened to them in the Rose Bowl. I just think they were so much better than everybody in their division, or at least playing better than every, playing so much better than everybody in their division, was whether talent-wise they matched up or not, that they really just kind of suppressed everybody and nobody was really ever nipping at their heels. Uh, so they didn't really take it to that next year, if you can follow. So everybody performs better with competition. Like, great teams perform better when there's other teams nipping at their heels. And I think that with Illinois being much improved and they have a they have a great option behind center, they could be a team that could come out of nowhere um, and nip at the heels. Uh, Nebraska could be that team that could possibly get over the hump. And if there's a team that could beat Iowa, it's probably them. Wisconsin, if they – if they get off to a great start, they're a team that can, that could cause some issues for Iowa. Um, it's going to be, albeit this is the least talented division in the Big Ten, but this could be the most fun race. I kind of look at it like the Pac-12 North. There's a lot of teams right there. Uh, Iowa is your Stanford, uh, who just, they just, right now, they're just always there. And then until somebody comes and knocks them off, which this year there's a good chance of that, but you know, again, Iowa could see that competition and raise raise their level even more, and do like Michigan State did for a little while, where they would win the win the conference. They get to a BCS bowl, but they just really wouldn't get to that next level. And then when they finally had a lot of competition, they beat the crap out of Stanford and won a Rose Bowl. So, you know, the same can be applied to Iowa. I think it's one of those things where you could look at it and say, "Are they ready?" I don't know. It just depends on how they respond to the people in their division. They're talented enough to. They fixed some of their turnover issues and last year. Gonna be they're gonna be it's it's good places if he has a better season than they did last year. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'm also predicting big things out of this Hawkeye team. I, I think that they are uh if, if not head and shoulders, at least, like, head and neck above the rest of the division. Uh, I, I have too many questions about Nebraska's defense at this point. I think that Iowa is so balanced. And, you know, they're bringing back, uh, you know, some good receivers, especially Matt Vandenberg, um, who led the team in receptions and yards last year. Um, they've got some good tight ends. You know Ferentz loves to use tight ends. And, you know, they'll always, always have a great offensive line. Uh, Drew Ott really should have been granted a fifth year for a medical red shirt, but alas, was not. Uh, if they had him, I think you're looking at one of the top, you know, defensive uh, defensive lines in the nation. Even without him, they're still going to be one of the better defensive units in the country. So uh, obviously. You know, Phil Parker has a, a lot of talent he can work with on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, yeah, so we've got Iowa uh, heading up the Big Ten West, and that will uh, conclude the western portion of our uh, Big Ten 2016 season preview. So make sure you catch us next time uh, on the Big Ten East and uh, Players of the Year edition of Illegal Motion.
Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.